you know you what's horrible? That when it people... was you invited me on here. You feckless. They're the enemy. No, I will not be willing to bring this country to its knees. Not the American way. Why? I'm worried about our country gorging on hate. Something's gone very wrong in the fabric of American society, which leaves people vulnerable to the appeal of the political hate industry. We've always had partisanship. We've never had this level of dysfunction. But both of our major political parties contains a lot of old people, and before people reach the stage of dementia, they often turn nasty. Are you stupid? All the damn time! We live in a zero-sum world. We are absolutely convinced that for one side to get ahead, the other side has got to lose. We do face this real danger of a center falling apart and the country being guided by the extremists on both sides. America is like a dysfunctional couple on the way to divorce court. So, this fucking documentary, uh, I didn't think... Oh, it, I, I loved it. I didn't think it was possible, like, because we did You, Me, Madness just last week, and I was like, there's no way, like, that's that's the worst thing. That's the most violently awful, like, nauseating spectacle I've ever had to endure for this show. But, man, this fucking movie, this was so much worse. Like, I mean, like, worse in every way. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, like, Louise Linton's view of herself as, like, a cool girl boss serial killer is more morally acceptable to me than David Smick's view of the world. That is because um, I really think that this movie is the other. It is essentially a sequel to me. You madness. It is the movie made. So me, you madness is a movie made by a super rich trophy wife kept by a rich finance Dracula. Uh, And because she used to be an actress, she thinks of herself as an artistic person. And so she has access to tons of money, but she doesn't actually make any. So what her big film project, her big vanity film project is, is look at me and how hot and good actress I am and how good my dialogue is and how great my Scorsese references and my Zooms are or whatever. Just like trying to uh, appeal to her physical uh, and uh, artistic vanity. Now, the guy that she marries, Steve Mnuchin, right, is basically in the same class as this David Smick guy. So David Smick is the other person in that couple. And so while she is making her me, me, you madness, what movie is this guy making? A guy who is just as rich and just as cut off and just as psychopathic with power and money as her, but actually has his hands on like the reels of power because he's like an actual finance guy. He's making money in the overclass. So when he decides to make a vanity project, it's not going to be some fucking piffle, some meaningless drivel uh, about some murderous uh, lady and her boy toy. No, he's going to solve all the fucking problems. He's going to show the world what's wrong with it. And he's going to fix everything. And because he has money and because the only people he's ever spoken to are people who are as rich and who are as rich and deluded as he is or who are poorer than him and want something from him he thinks this is a great idea and he gets it made and they are bookends this is like this is the nightmare couple that runs america it's louise linton and david schmuck i mean this wasn't just like the actual thing they made though like this wasn't just the worst uh documentary i've ever seen 
Like, I don't know anything that comes close. Because even, like, a bad documentary can usually be kind of funny. This was, like, this movie felt like how I imagine it must feel when you, like, OD, you're given Narcan, and then you, like, take more opiates. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was the most overpowering, like, awful feeling. It was the feeling of, like, having a log turn around in your stomach than than eating just eating like a Jimmy John sub while you're shitting it out. <laughs> yeah, it, it was makes just, uh, it, was a hor- it was this horrible simultaneously thing of being too full and too empty. I I probably about thirty times during this movie, without exaggeration, I like press the little cursor thing to see how much time I had. <laughs> it was brutal, but it was also completely hollow. And I felt oh, yeah. as though oh, it was even when you watch a bat, even when you watch a shitty thing, you remember things from it. But I like everything that I remember from this. I had to write down because I was like, this is the exact type of thing that my brain will flush out like poison. Yeah, there's no content here. It really does. It is the worst documentary ever. It makes Hillary's America look like gates of heaven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> OK, so. All right, let, let, let's start the show officially. It's Chapo Trap House. It's me, Will Meneker, joining me as always, Matt Chrisman and Felix Biederman. Hey. I mean, we were, we were just too fired up. I mean, too chomping at the bit to discuss this movie we watched for today's episode, which is, in addition to being a compelling uh, companion piece to Me, You, Madness, I think it also makes like an interesting juxtaposition with Can't Get You Out of My Head. Because yes, you know, absolutely. You know, That's you know, what I was thinking yeah, the whole like, time. You know, because like you know, in b- both movies, like essentially attempt to explain wh- or why everyone feels so bad right now and why everything sucks and like where. But like you know, the, the Adam Curtis movie, it, it just artistically it makes for such an interesting companion piece of this because they both rely on like stock fo- stock footage and like clips from old movies to like accentuate like a his sort of montage his mise en scène, but. The thing is, like this guy David Zmick, and we'll talk about we'll talk about Zmick in a second. It's just it, like his his selection of images and footage to like accentuate the points he's making is the most literal minded one to one thing I've ever seen. It's like yes, like a character <laughs> yeah, yeah. a character will just be like it's like it's like George Orwell's 1984, and he'll just show a clip from the film adaptation of 1984. Even as we grasp at victory, there is a cancer, an evil tumor. In our mixed it's, yeah, it's, it's stunning. A, this movie is this movie is ninety minutes of the most unadulterated drivel and jive being spouted by some of the most poisonously hateful and awful human beings that this planet has ever produced. But they're selling you on this idea <laughs> that like America's best days ahead of us if we just get past partisanship. And, and go with common sense. If we just solutions. listen to Larry Summers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This is like, this is like, not only is it like making a movie about pedophilia where it's like, listen, some kids are sexy. <laughs> but it's also like having, it's like, this is a movie about pedophilia and its victims. And it's like, you do a seance where you, where you fucking bring Jimmy Seville back from the dead. Yeah. Gary no. Glitter, just like every pedophile is in it. And they're like, well, the problem with pedophilia. Yeah. I, I, I have a good review of this movie though. Uh, if, if you want to go, if you want to hear it, if you want to yeah, hear like the it. type of person that 
really likes this. Okay, let me just... Because let me there just, are people that really like this. Let me just introduce this. The, the film we're talking about is the new documentary that was just released on the Stars Network that is the uh, just absolutely absurd and noxious vanity project of this gigantic ham-faced buffoon named David Zmick, who I've never heard of before this movie and hope to never hear of again. It is called Stars and Strife, and it is a movie about how Ooh. in today's divisive political climate and where everyone is upset and angry and it feels like the problems are getting worse, how we can come together to like solve our problems as Americans and, and, and have a better country for everyone. So, Felix, drop that review. Yeah, Yes, this video does show the good of BLM. Hence, the whole point of the video is to bring Americans closer together. Just because some people in BLM have been extreme does not mean that the movement doesn't have any valid points. Now, I am a Trump supporter, and I believe the deep state has been shutting down the voices of right-wing conservatives, and I am 100% against any type of censorship. I also, at the same time, believe this video is very interesting, and hear the message our politics need to be more centered. The doc also breaks down the differences between good capitalism and what some of the big elites are doing, which is destroying our world. I personally do not see this as a left movie, but a but a great center and idea that we need to do work more at getting rid of extreme left <laughs> and extreme right. Now, many Democrats I know hate Republicans because, let's face it, they could be a bit cold-hearted and extreme right. Just the same way on the right who hates socialism. This movie is more centered, and I enjoy the talking points on moving center and working together for unity and peace. Highly recommended, even if you don't agree with it. That is... That's the, like, well, is that like a review from Amazon of this movie or something? Is that like a user that's review? That's on IMDb, okay. but it's uh, by Tasha's Cookie Treats. <laughs> this is... It's like I was because I was like obsessed with this after seeing it, like how how well it felt like a postscript to the Holocaust. It was like, how did we let this happen? <laughs> who like it, do we blame the people who did it or like who permitted this? But um, there it does have like a kind of high Rotten Tomatoes score just because like if you are reviewing things on Rotten Tomatoes, you are just like you're like this. There's just candy in your brain. Cookie treats. You're just like, you're just, you're just like you watch this and you're like, you know, America has all types of people, everyone from, you know, black guy to weird woman. But if we come together, we can help we can help this uh this guy in Lord of the Rings who is killed for his cowardice, David Schmidt. We can help Larry Summers. It's a feel good movie if you're just like you you this is a this is a movie for oblivion non player characters. That's everyone who liked this movie. They're caught in a dialogue loop and walking into a door. So, yeah, like, if I could, like, so my, 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 like, my elevator pitch for this movie is 90 minutes of obscene jive and drivel that attempts to explain what's wrong with America by highlighting the thoughts of a group of individuals who have each done on their own in, in public life more to cause violence, misery, economic depression and political polarization than every terrorist and hate group in the world combined. And it's just like the movie begins and it's just like this montage of people going, there's so much hate in America today. We're so divided by hate. Hate is like a drug. Where did all this hate come from? And then it shows you the faces of Niall Ferguson, Francis Fukuyama, James Baker and Larry Summers. And you're like, hmm, 
where is all this hate? Where did all this hate come from? Why do people hate? Why do people hate so much? Having James Baker in there was an incredible choice. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, <laughs> like he this first they first introduced him, and he's he literally says, "In my day," that's the first words out of his mouth. And he goes, "In my day, we went to Washington to do the people's business." And it's like, yeah, what? Like fucking strangling Craig Spence in a fucking hotel bathroom? Yeah, no, he's <laughs> like, yeah, he goes out there and he's like, it used to be you get a Republican and a Democrat and everyone's happy. And then like Patrice Lumumba's pinky falls out of his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes, yeah, so like it, it, in the beginning, it sets up like, you know, uh, oh, like America seems more divided than it's ever been before. And to illustrate that, he goes through uh, just clips of those of just hens on the view yelling at each other. And like that, yep, that's that, it. That, that Wait, really, people on TV sure see our, see our angry. And that really is like the point of view of this movie is that the problem with America is that too many people are yelling at each other. But that's what's yep. amazing is like they take the view like that, like just even their basic premise is idiotic because it's mm -hmm. like, well, yeah, like 60 years before The View, there was this show called Firing Line. <laughs> Just like all these guys who like were so drunk they couldn't stand up would be like, I swear to God, I'm going to kill you, you fucking homo. <laughs> Take you behind this studio and plug you. And like it's just has it like hasn't that always existed? Hasn't there always been a yelling show? Well, you know, they, yeah, but it used existed. to be guys in suits. Yes, it's, yeah, al it's always true. existed, though. But here's the problem. Like, what this movie's really concerned with is, is not so much that people are yelling at each other or that, that there is political partisanship or division in this country. What they're mad about is the rise of populism. They're, they're mad about the idea that, like, right. that, that people are angry at, like, at, at the center. And even though that they claim that like the center makes up the two thirds majority of this country, they're mad that like a third of the country is just politically motivated and angry at the people in charge. And, you know, like it, it, it's never explicitly mentioned, but what they really mean is like Donald Trump on one end and Bernie Sanders on the other. And they're like, we just need to we need to stop listening to the angry, loud voices in the room and listen to the calm, sensible voices in this movie, which like, you know, include Alan Greenspan, Arthur Brooks, the head of a the American Enterprise Institute, Amy Chua, the tiger mom, uh, Rahm Emanuel, a fucking it, this is a, the, the list of fucking talking heads in this movie is a murderer's row of murderers. It's oh, just <laughs> Frank, Frank, Frank Langeon, founder of Home Depot, has, in my opinion, oh, he was one so good. Sociopath. He was he so crazy. Most, he says one of he was awesome. He was he was like he is like the chair he was sitting on probably like contains like extra organs that he needs to stay alive. He is like just hanging on. He's like his nails are gripping into the linoleum as they're trying to drag him to hell. But he's like, I need to be in this movie. And like, but he says he, he does one of what I consider the most sociopathic cutaways in this movie. We can get, I mean, I, I wonder if it's the same one that I wrote down because Ken Langone, the home Depot guy is like, I mean, again, presented as a sensible voice of reason about, and, and an example of what makes America great says like, as Felix said, some of the most so sociopathic comments I've ever seen. And like you mentioned earlier that like this movie is all about like, how did America come to be such an unequal place full of so much anger and hatred? And you said it's like, uh, like a, a documentary about how dangerous pedophilia is where like they interview Jimmy Savile and Gary Glitter as examples of like uh, of, of people who, whose advice you should follow. It's just like 
along similar lines, this would be like the, the, the people highlighted in this movie and, 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 and its point of view that, uh, that they should be taken seriously or that they're being shut out of uh, the debate in our society is the equivalent of like doing a movie on the crisis in parenting today uh, where Joseph Fritzl directed it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I've gone down the list of talking heads in this movie, and there are some pretty big names oh, involved. Oh, Leon here. Panetta, Leon former Panetta. CIA yeah, director. Yeah, former Leon, Leon Panetta, Panetta, head of the CIA, James Baker. They got fucking Otto Skorzeny with a Ouija board. <laughs> and, like, you know, like some, some of these names are pretty big names in, like, in, in government and, like, academia and politics or whatever. But more than anyone in this movie, the guy who was featured talking in most of it is the director and writer of the film. Which is an odd choice for a documentary. His, again, we mentioned it before. His name is David Zmick. And how, how shall I describe David Zmick? He is David Smick. Wretched ham oaf. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. Like, he, 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 like, he looks like a guy who, like, uh, one of the hobbits who stole another hobbit's lunch. <laughs> <laughs> he is this, he's like a, he is, he's this gigantic-headed uh, oaf, as Matt alluded to. But, like, I would describe him sort of like, Sort of like the blue pilled Steve Bannon, but the funny thing is, yeah. that like, what yes, he, but yeah. like, what, but what he's advocating for in this movie is basically the exact same thing Steve Bannon does, which is like a main yeah. street focused capitalism that like lifts up the little guy rather than big international corporations. But like, the only difference between him and Steve Bannon is he's like, we can do that without fomenting hatred against immigrants and minorities. That's the only difference yep. between their two worldviews. He's like, he's like, yeah, soy so one Steve of them- Bannon. Yeah, and they're both absolutely deluded because capitalism is all-consuming at this point. You cannot fight it from within. But uh, yeah, their 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 difference is one of them is like yes, uh, harness the dark forces of of reaction to do the job, and the other is what if everyone just is nice? And I yeah. gotta say, even though they're both uh, uh, dead ends, the one that is less delusional is the Steve Bannon idea. This is pure cloud cuckoo landery. There yeah. is no basis for this at all. And as the movie goes on, you just see, oh, this is there's nothing here. It is literally what if people were better? What if people decided to what if people with power decided to be nicer? Everyone in this movie is guilty of this, but nobody more than David Smick. Every single thing he says is just volley after volley of cliche. Like 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 every he, line of dialogue. He, he does the cow thing. Yep. When he did the cow thing, like ten minutes in, everyone knows the cow thing because everyone had like a fucking middle, like, room temperature IQ social studies teacher who did this. And it's like, the thing where you go, oh, well, capitalism's when you have uh, two cows and you sell one to your neighbor. Socialism's when the government takes the cows and there's no milk. Fascism <laughs> is when they kill the cow and spill the milk. Corporate capitalism is when they do financialization with the cows. Uh, Main Street capitalism is when you buy a bowl. <laughs> and there's more milk, and it's like... And you drink its cum. All, That's Main Street capitalism. Yeah. So you milk a bowl and for, drink its fucking yeah. nut. Yeah, Main Street capitalism is when the guy comes in the room, the bowl, and you're in the <laughs> corner jacking off. Uh, it's like, David, when David Smith was doing the cow thing, I was like, you, that's you. That's you and your family. You are a cow. <laughs> yes. But, like, he, he, yeah, he, he's... This is I hadn't heard the Main Street capitalism thing in a while, but I I love it because they do this in in this movie where they're like, yeah, somewhere around like the 1980s is when uh, government started making laws that favor companies. And it's like, 
No, yeah. Going back to like the Dutch East India Company, that never Wait, happened before. So like, yeah. Yeah, they that say, wasn't they say like that part of the, the whole they, deal. They say that they're like, you know, capitalism used to work when it like helped out the little guy, but slowly but surely, like, you know, bad actors in the system began gaming, like they began taking over the regulation of the markets themselves and like doing special favors for themselves through lobbying, blah, blah, blah. And then prior to this, David Zmick in his own movie fucking touts the fact that he was an economic advisor to Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Ronald Reagan got deals, though. Uh, one of the big uh, moments of bipartisanship that he points to as how things used to work was the 1983 Social Security uh, compromise, which they love pointing at because it's, it's pointing in the direction of one of their great dreams, which is a grand bargain on entitlements. Getting people... how Just the idea that these people's politics is... Getting Americans to accept the destruction, the final destruction of any kind of safety net in exchange for maybe what? Uh, a baby bond, uh, maybe some UBI, and uh, help getting a loan for some like fucking vape based small business. But otherwise, being totally on your own. But you're going to get people to accept that not with any populist appeal, not with any emotional appeal. You're going to get them to agree to a reduction in their standard of living. On, for for their own good, that's the that's I guess the dream of liberalism is that you can just convince these people that it's for their own good that they have to live with less. I just uh, just a, a little bit of background on David M. Smick. Um, uh, it says just from his Wikipedia say it just says he's a macroeconomic advisor to a select group of prominent global investment funds and a nonfiction author. He is the chairman and CEO of Johnson Smick International, a financial advisory firm in Washington D.C. Uh, he is the uh, Smick wrote the acclaimed book, The World is Curved on the Financial Perils of Globalization <laughs> in response to The World is Flat by Thomas Friedman. Uh, David Smith. This guy should be. This guy should be sentenced to live in the airports that they sell his books in. <laughs> he should never be allowed to leave. He should be banished there. Um, so uh, it says David Smith's most recent book is The Great Equalizer: How Main Street Capitalism Can Create an Economy for Everyone. The book reached number eight on the New York Times hardcover nonfiction bestseller list. Uh, our book reached number six, by the way, and was praised by both House Speaker Paul Ryan and former economic advisor Larry, Larry Summers. So, yeah, this, guy, this guy's got praise from both Paul Ryan and Larry Summers. Must be a really out-of-the-box wow. thinker. But uh, it just goes on here to say the book identified the conditions that led to the unexpected rise of both 2016 primary candidate Bernie Sanders and Republican Donald Trump. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is what he's really worried about. And uh, just, I just did some supplementary. I was just like just watching some interviews with him about why he made this movie. And he says here, the whole country is facing a hate epidemic. And I got very worried about the future of, of our country when you see the lack of empathy, a lack of any goodwill towards each other. And then, like I said, like to illustrate that point, he produced a list of people that would just be like, let's just say I have all these names on a list in my house as well. <laughs> these, these, It's like, if he had just gathered people by like, okay, these are the least apathetic, these are the, like the, the least empathetic people I could find. These are the least empathetic people that like would respond to me and would be in a documentary. Because I like, gotta yeah, say, yeah. They might all be monstrous criminals who are fully responsible for the horror of the conditions that they're decrying. I mean, this entire movie is just the hot dog sketch from I Think You Should Leave. It's like, it is. We're all trying to find the guy who did this and give him a spanking. But, and they all just might be soulless sociopaths, uh, but, and lying directly to your face, but at least they're hot. 
They are really, they're really, very sexy. Uh, yeah, like that that Brooklyn Institute Smith, lady. David Smick actually. David, oh my god, David Smick being the director he is. Um, when Leon Panetta first comes on the screen, he does tell people to pause because it's going to be an extended talk with Leon Panetta, and you're going to want to jack off before that. <laughs> oh god, it's like, and and half of the movie is looking at Smick's disgusting fucking head folks it looks folks, like somebody put his, his uh, face the is mag- so magical... large oh it's He's so big the biggest his eyes head are just, like fall way back in it his head just looks like a fucking baked ham like in the oven glazing yeah he looks like a guy like if you if you like chop down the wrong peach tree he appears as the spirit <laughs> of the woods <laughs> he's, he's like answers riddles to leave uh it's like if somebody uh dropped uh, Frosty the Snowman's magic hat on a boar's head deli case. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I, I I can't I I can't stress enough how weird it is that the director of a documentary is its most prominently featured talking head. Like I, that, this is just like I, the epitome of fucking like vanity. That is like yeah. I wish I had done that. I wish in Fighting the Age of Loneliness, I took out all the fights, and it was just me sitting in a chair narrating the movie. <laughs> and hopefully, you would have under your name what he has under his change maker. Change maker. <laughs> he is in, change they maker. Introduce it. They introduce everybody uh, who's interviewed with their name and their job. You know, financier, scumbag, uh, child murderer. Under him, they put change maker. And yeah, I don't, I, did they mean to say like has a pacemaker? Yeah. <laughs> no, and then after, and then after Changemaker, I don't know if you caught this. It uh, it just like it flashes on screen a few lines from his CV, and a couple of them were early advocate of urban enterprise zones and advised leaders of both parties. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. know he's good. Yeah, it beca- it's it's great because later in the movie they go like. And and yeah, the only reason that both parties come together is to benefit corporations. And it's like, come on, David. <laughs> no, this yeah, no the, 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 a vibe that this movie very heavily gives you is the like I gave you all the clues, Mister Policeman, like a fucking serial killer ta- <laughs> yeah, yeah, haunting yeah. their victims and the police, where they're just like, how did America get so fucked up? Let's hear from uh, Larry Summers and Alan Greenspan about how to get out of this mess. This is like David Smith really. There's a lot of people giving up the game and fucking up in this movie, but I think no one more than Smick because I had no idea who this fucking guy. No was. clue. Never heard, of him. Never heard of him. And now he's like, I'm spending the rest of my time that isn't recording this show, like trying to beam negative thoughts into him. Trying to scanner his ass. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to make a fucking Hiroshima ten event by making his head blow up. <laughs> <laughs> David Schmidt's head, giant head blows up, millions killed. <laughs> so let's let's go into uh, the let's go into the film itself because it, it bears going through. Oh yes, and so like it, so it opens with one of one of the one of the copious fucking film clips in this movie and like long film clips because like this asshole is so rich he can just pay for the rights to put like feature films in his documentary over and over again to like to punctuate what are otherwise crushingly banal fucking like ideas and points of view absolute pablum 
Yeah. So it begins with this long clip of a of a Frank Sinatra movie. I like I think it's like the house I live in or something like some old Sinatra movie. He's looking really young. And it's just like it's a black and white movie and there's some kids in the neighborhood and they're chasing they're chasing this other kid and they're gonna beat him up. And then old blue eyes stops him and he's like talking to these ragamuffins and he's like, Well, you know, why well, how come you don't like Johnny? And they're like, We don't like his religion. And then Sinatra gives these kids a lecture where he's like don't you understand, kids? It's ring-a-ding-ding for you bozos. This is America, a country where there's hundreds of different ways to go to church or to, to be an American, and we're all Americans. And like, What's he got, smallpox or something? We don't like his religion. His religion? Look, mister, he's a dirty... Ah, uh, hold on. I see what you mean. You must be a bunch of those Nazi werewolves I've been reading about. Mister, are you screwy? Not me. I'm an American. Well, what do you think we are? Nazis. Like I said, like that is the level of thinking that this movie is operating on. And I think it's telling that the movie begins with Frank Sinatra lecturing a group of children because like this is how this guy views himself. He thinks of himself as like a cool, you know, uh, a Frank and Dean type of dude who has to uh, waste his time or like on this this idiotic fucking ego, ego abortion to lecture a bunch of children, i.e. the American public. So. Uh, then it gets in. We talk. Oh, David Ignatius of the Washington Post. He's in this movie. Um, he says here, t- speaking of Germany, uh, and they're you know of course showing like you know stock footage of the Third Reich and you know Nuremberg rallies and shit like this. And David Ignatius says of Germany, uh, bad things can happen to good countries <laughs> because of populism, essentially. <laughs> but it's just like yeah, like Germany was an otherwise good country, and like then he says, but like even in good countries, they find that there's this yawning maw of fucking hatred bigotry paranoia and like violence on just underneath the surface of otherwise good countries no yeah nothing was wrong in germany (laughs) before that really yeah just don't ask about southwest africa whatever you do and we're of course another totally innocent country (laughs) yeah 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 no but but we have the germ of populism inside us and that's what's causing all this hatred and so then we get to david smick and like I said, like, I can understand, like, even if you're a dumb person wanting to see a movie where, like, you know, someone like genuinely important and consequential people like Larry Summers and Alan Greenspan, like, share their ideas on what's wrong with America and how to fix it. But then this smick asshole just keeps showing up. And the idea that anyone would fucking care about, like, he, he starts telling you about his life and he's like, you know, uh, my, you know my, my grandparents were Norwegian immigrants and they didn't have it so easy when they came to this country. And then I swear to God, that, Felix, was, the t- that was called that was called the Middle Passage. Norwegians <laughs> to America. And he goes, Great migration. He goes, uh, well, you know, why are we wasting so much energy on hate instead of doing amazing things? And he go- then he goes, I'm, se- I'm sensitive to the... Persimmon de- Phil killed the wrong squarehead. <laughs> <laughs> Then he goes, this, this, this absolute fucking hog man goes, you know, talking about like the, you know, very serious and like terrible misery that is like afflicting so many people in this country. He goes, I'm sensitive to the notion of change because when I was 14, our house burned down and I lost all my baseball cards. He says, I lost my baseball cards. That killed me. No, that killed me. That killed me because like the idea of like being like, my house burned down and everything's been fucked since. It's like awesome. I, I mean, Felix, that happens like, to you. I, I, yeah, no, that's, dude, want to know why I have such a dark outlook on like, <laughs> life? Because I lost everything. I lost everything as a four-year-old when my house burned down. And he was, yeah, it, it's like everything about that's great. Like that entire segment, I love it because it's like, 
Look, you may think I'm a pretty impressive guy, but actually, my great grandparents came came from uh, Norway, and uh, yeah, so they had a, they had an immigrant's path. <laughs> my great my great my great grandfather uh, ate too much of ate too much grain in the village and it tricked him into sailing to America. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, it's like, look. I understand like how bad it is to like lose your job and you're like your son dies in a, in the Iraq war and you're addicted to pills and you just you don't even remember the last time you f- looked forward to anything you uh, everyone in your town is like dying or leaving there are no even markers for your own life anymore I lost uh, a Roger Maris card when, I was 14, <laughs> when my house burned down because I tried to make Drosty's hot chocolate <laughs> And I, I just like I have to give people a sense. I, I know I said it before, like that this this movie is just such a barrage of cliches that it like it it, it it's almost designed to like destroy your mind. Like honestly, it, it, like as propaganda, like it it beats you into submission with its endless repetition of totally banal thoughts presented with this like smirking, knowing kind of like, did you know that? <laughs> did you know that the deficit is a big problem? And it's like, no, no, Smick, I've never heard that shit before. So it's like listening to him talk. It's like he, he like he, he, at every like interview segment with him, he says shit like, you know, we're on a roller coaster ride of uncertainty, but united we stand, divided we fall. And remember, Rome wasn't built in a day, but it fell at one. And and it's like being on a roller coaster. First you're up, and then you plunge down real fast. And you know, an, an, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a dime of crime. What a long, strange trip it's been! <laughs> Just I can't believe I ate the whole thing. And then he says, "We have to end this clown show." And then there's a montage of people yelling at each other in Congress. And then just and then actual footage of actual clowns. Yep. You yep. forgot what a clown yep. was. I, I just want to like there's there one thing in the sort of prologue to this movie that I thought was very telling where they're talking about, you know, Arthur Brooks of the American Enterprise Institute says a lot of people are getting rich making us hate each other. And I'm like, well, then why are you in this movie, David? I mean, sorry, Arthur, because like it just it, it, you, <laughs> you sharing your thoughts in public is what is causing hatred to exist, at least in my heart. But then before that, I forget who said it. But they were talking about, like, you know, America is a great country. We're a powerful country. But there's only one thing that can take America down, and that's politics. And that's, <laughs> that, that's basically yeah. that's the view of this movie, is that, like, if, if it weren't for all the politics, we could do extraordinary things again. It's, it is, in fact, idealism. It is just, yep, yep, there's no structural conflict in any way. Yeah. This is all just, we just all, we just start feeling bad, and if we all just took a breath, and and settled and started and and just shook hands we'd all be okay because for guys like this it's all a game because it is all fake it is all ideal he lives on a cloud so of course he thinks that that's where the real change happens is in people's hearts because he's never been compelled to do anything by economics the the um politics is getting in the way that thing it did zero in on uh like the one thing i actually you know how okay like i like me you madness because it was it was novel well this isn't novel but i like it for one reason and that is i feel like uh now we have identi- two identi- identifiable like super culture voices right there's the broadly liberal one i was talking about this on uh you can't win with a uh, donald and tom yesterday uh the episode's out now but about like there's this sort of like broad liberal 
cultural singular cultural voice you can identify right you see it when you open those like netflix accounts that are like you know net netflix jewish uncles and all the shit's like you're so you're so you look so great and you're so awesome today that uh i can't even think you know i love you it's good to take a break just like you know barney but vote for democrats you can identify it when you see it you know what it is then there's the right wing thing and it's like you know when ted cruz tells a joke or like the babylon Bee, this sort of like smug like uh okay internet let's see what you can do type thing like sort of a wedding crashers uh and reaganism aesthetic but this is like this is like uncovering an ancient evil this is like you need a certain amount of insight to see this because this is something that i haven't seen in a while and this is the singular cultural centrist voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I had not seen that since like the two, the early 2000s. And it was like it was an evil I never thought we killed. But I thought like we've seen enough of it for now. But it, it just came up. And of course, it, I lost all my sanity points seeing it. Well, I mean, yeah. because it is in, so, it, it, in some ways more repulsive. It is. It is infinitely more repulsive. And here's the thing. Like. In this movie, identifying populism and as a stand-in for hatred and divisiveness in our culture, what it's really concerned with is that the sensible centrist point of view has no purchase in the culture seemingly anymore and that everyone seems to hate yes. them on social media. Yes. Like that is why this guy, when he says our country is facing an epidemic of hatred, that's what he's talking about. He's meaning that like views, like the view of James Baker, Leon Panetta, and Alan Greenspan used to be fairly uncontroversial, but now every time you voice it, you get like a tidal wave of shit in your mentions or like people just flinging feces at you or wishing you dead because they justifiably loathe you and everything about your existence. And like he just he just feels that like the centrist view is shut out of our culture and that's why our culture is so divisive. Not that like the left and the right are united. And in fact, if we want to bring people together, we should unite them in their hatred of these people. Yes, yes. Like, it should be, there should be, like, a, a mass event protesting David Smick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, who else is, uh, so, okay, James Baker shows up, and similar to how um, Smick, uh, Smick is uh, labeled a change maker, James Baker is labeled as the miracle man, which I thought was so <laughs> chilling and uh, just so fucking oh, blood, blood curdling to think about that. The miracle he man. Stole election yeah <laughs> and then he, he said, stole the fucking election and then what and is that's what like, is, this guy this guy with more blood on his hands than like almost any other american that i can think of who's alive today he said like what does he diagnose the problem in dc being he says or well, nobody brings their families to washington anymore and we used <laughs> we used to socialize with each other so it's just like, and then yeah. it's this stupid idea that like, if only it was the Reagan Tip O'Neill fucking fetishism. They're like, oh, if only Louis Gohmert's fucking like dunce, ugly children could fucking like meet Alexandra Pelosi and hang out, then maybe we could get some compromise <laughs> bills to cut Social if, Security through the House. If Clay Higgins brought his family of talking alligators, <laughs> we wouldn't have a deficit anymore. Yeah, like. Yeah, having James Baker is like the first guy he throws to where he's like, yo, I'm giving you the rock. Slam this shit, James. It's so awesome because, yeah, if George H.W. Bush from our Poppy series, uh, if he's uh, Don Corleone, this is like um, Tom Hagen, right? 
Yeah, the consigliere. <laughs> he was and, he was the guy. You know, it's, he was the fucking guy. You know, it's funny, Felix. You bring up the Godfather because every other interviewee in this movie just does a fucking repetition of the opening monologue in, in Godfather, where it's like, like the mortician oh, going, God, yes. I believe in America, and I raise my daughter in the American fashion. Except it's Amy Chua saying the same thing. Yeah. She's, I raised my daughter in the American and Chinese fashion. Okay, so yeah, the tiger mom, <laughs> she shows up and she says here, a lot of students today don't know what, it makes, what makes America distinct and special. And then she doesn't say what makes it distinct and special. The movie just shows you a montage of people marching in parades and then tanks and military planes. So once again, they're kind of showing their hand a little bit too much here. Um, Alan Greenspan. Oh, no, wait. There's one more thing that James Baker says that's fucking stunning. James Baker says, we won three hot wars and one cold one and we never asked for anything in return. And that's why we're loved the world over. <laughs> yeah, that was. Oh, man. Yeah, he put he punched me with a kiss. <laughs> yeah, uh, the t- a Tiger Mom also says of America, she says, the founding fathers did own slaves. But at its best, America is a place where you can be a Croatian American and intensely patriotic. <laughs> yeah, especially if you came here in 1946. Yeah, amazing, amazing choice of nations there. I, I just I can't keep track of all the fucking cliches in this movie, but like I'm just a few of them. Uh, Americans are dreamers. Uh, we're the good guys. It's, I think it's in our psychology. It's part of the American character. I believe in an idealistic American, uh, idealistic America. By the way, nobody that, else thinks they're the good guys in history. <laughs> All other countries and peoples think that they're actually bad. Yeah. If you go, yeah. If you go to Italy, they're like, we're supporting characters. <laughs> we're here to help you, uh, uh, sell you wares. And show you the way to the next village. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want an upgrade, Mister Baker? <laughs> yeah, it, Europe is the is the uh, hunter's dream from Bloodborne. It's the hub <laughs> station that you start in when you die. Okay, there's another guy. Another guy featured in this movie is a guy named uh, Hawk Newsom, who's the president of Black Lives Matter in New York. And, you know, president I, of Black Lives Matter. I love that. Yeah, He's the president yeah. no, of Hawk, Black Lives Matter New York. And I'm sorry, is like one of the biggest dunces in this movie because he. Oh, he, absolutely. And he also keeps saying shit like a con artist. Yeah, he keeps saying shit like I believe like I like I, I support Black Lives Matter because I believe in the American Constitution and the Bible. And it's just like what? Like, who the fuck? Who the fuck is this guy? Like he keeps saying shit like. I like I believe in America and I'm an idealistic American. I'm like, well, why? What the fuck? Like, what is going on here? And he, he he's he he recounts and that the show re- movie recounts with just absolute uh, uh, moment by moment detail this thing that he clearly thinks and I guess he convinced David Schmuck is a incredibly epic and powerful viral moment that has yes. persisted through time, yeah. which is him going to a some d- dumbass MAGA rally that they I mean I remember this because it was called the mother of all rallies and the joke ended up being that like 500 people showed up and so apparently he went to it to like counter protest with BLM and they invited him on stage and he got a warm reception and it was like maybe viral amongst grandpa Twitter for like 25 minutes of people like going like it, it was a Ron Fournier bait like Look, yeah. see, we can have dialogue. But then, of course, like everything else, it disappeared into the ether. But they act like this is uh, 
like the Kennedy assassination in national importance. And it actually ends with this hawk schmuck going, I guess it went viral, like kind of trying to be uh, self-deprecatingly understated about like, dude, I don't know who you are. Yeah, I've never seen this video. I've never seen no, this. Never even heard That's of it. That's what's so funny about it is like, they're like, oh, this is the biggest viral star of all time. And it's like, I see 99.99% of things. They all go through my pool skimmer. You know, like no one, uh, no one can send me anything I haven't seen. And it's like, I never saw this. Yeah. I never even heard about this. Yeah, no, that, the, the, the Hawk Newsome guy is like, he says shit like, you know, uh, Americans are tired of the divisiveness and polarization, but we need real solutions. So that's how I ended up addressing a crowd at a Trump rally with the most bullshit speech imaginable. Like he gets up there and says, my guiding principles are the Constitution and the Bible. And he gets a big fucking applause for that. And it's like, like, so it's like, so you got up there and you catered to the fucking like to for yeah. the, the easy, cheap heat from like the dumbest, like yeah. most most like uh, just repellent people imaginable. And he's like, yeah, I reached out today. And, yep. and I said, like, and he, was like, uh, and he says abortions that, for some miniature American flags for others. And no, he said, like he says in the viral clip, he's like, America's a great country because when you see something wrong, you can change it. And that's what our constitution is about. And I'm just like, this is absolute pablum. Like what? Like this yeah. is, this is, oh my God. Everybody in this movie is captured by a self delusion that they're able to uh, perpetuate, even though it is totally orthogonal to reality, because they're in a social position that allows them to maintain it. And so, like, these people are all just speaking through these prisms of delusion to one another. And then watching it from outside, it's just jaw dropping. Like, yeah, this guy's vision of himself. Like, he clearly thinks that he's Stokely Carmichael 2.0. And, and, and you. Just see the, the chasm between what he thinks he's talking about, what, what the world is he thinks it is, and anything like what you recognize. And that's everybody in this movie, all of it under the direction of a guy who is basically the kid looking in the fucking uh, snow globe at the end of St. Elsewhere. So, yeah, uh, let's see. We got, we got Larry Summers shows up again, and he says, uh, we've got our problems, but I'd rather play our hand than that of any other major economy in the world. It's like, yeah, no shit. I bet you would. Like, yeah, no, yeah, no shit. You'd rather play America's economic hand than uh, Italy or fucking like uh, the Netherlands or something. No shit. The you country know? with the yeah. world reserve currency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'd rather play the video game with uh, infinite lives. I would like that. Yes. So then we get um, we get this. We get this other woman named Alice Rivlin who was the budget oh, maestro boy. under Alan Greenspan and as a, like a fellow at the Brookings Institute. Uh, she says, I believe in American exceptionalism, but I also believe that too much debt is a problem, but also too much inequality. <laughs> Thanks, Alice. Um, and and I think just like that line about American exceptionalism, because this movie clearly like wants to bring back American exceptionalism and views it like as a way out of our current like cultural and economic morass. It just it made me think of the Adam Curtis documentary, which does have a whole section on American and British exceptionalism. And like his whole point in that movie is that you can't have any kind of like exceptionalism for a nation without a concurrent strains of deep, deep seated paranoia and violence towards everyone else. And then eventually yeah. yourselves. Yes, because something has to distinguish you that makes you exceptional and you have to affirm it through domination. So, yeah, it's, uh, Smith comes back and he says, 
and he starts sharing some more of his like family stories and like again the idea that anyone would be impressed by interested in or enlightened in any way by this schmuck's life story is astonishing to me and he says you know my parents experienced economic anxiety and but my dad was a really good guy and you know at his funeral people people said that he would always uh, he would always uphold love and he would always love even even the un- unlovely and he says and then smick says <clears throat> we need to learn how to do that how to love the unlovely like an immigrant for example <laughs> and he goes we can't afford to be a country with just cities and coasts and small towns and i'm like what does that mean what are you talking about he's like okay so we should just all have uh should all just be the suburbs and we should all live in like uh you know not a coastal part of the country uh not the middle but just sort of halfway there we should all basically live in like i don't know uh, Virginia or Maryland or something like that or, or Pennsylvania, you know, it's sort of a coastal state, but not really. It's just, where, where is the ideal place to live, Schmuck? Well, like, I think it's it, hovering, it, it's, it's, it's hovering in a, in a quantum state between all of them. Yeah. Which is essentially how these rich guys live. They're always flying around. So it's like, you should be doing that. At one point, one of his dumbass non-solutions is give people vouchers to move to where the jobs are. I mean, by the way, David Brooks has praised this guy as being, quote, clairvoyant in his analysis of the problems facing America. <laughs> but uh, uh, then Arthur Brooks, the AEI guy, shows up and he says, of course, he says, to me, the most interesting question isn't economic inequality. It's opportunity inequality. And it's just it's, ah, it's just yes. shit like this. It's just it's, it's every one of these bullets just gets fired directly into your brain, like of just like absolute like non thinking fucking like just poison. Yeah. And it's a movie that, like, and then Schmuck comes back and says, capital is not our problem. It's human capital. And it's just like, this is a movie that attacks elites by communicating, like, the most hegemonically held ideas of the American ruling elite, like, to a popular audience. But they're the bad elites. The thing is, at some point, we got bad, like, he he really does go, there's good billionaires, like the grotesque uh, uh, Home Depot gnome, and then there's bad billionaires, like... uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who make money by profiting from division and hate. It's like, yeah, it's capitalism, bitch. There's money to be made. Yeah, no, like, it's like Mark, what, Mark Zuckerberg. Your distinction makes... is based on like with the industry, and they're all going to be spots that are filled if there's fucking money to be made. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like Mark Zuckerberg is bad because he profits off like clicks that foment hatefulness, but Ken Langone is good because he profits off the shattered bodies of Home Depot employees. Yeah, speaking as someone who uh, sells division and hate, um, yeah, I'm just I'm fulfilling a market need. I pay my taxes like anyone else. So then here, here's where Smick gets into his like, uh, like he's like, oh, like, you know, uh, capitalism isn't the problem. It, it's corporate capitalism that we have going now. And he says, algorithms, not people are driving the stock market. Like in, in this bygone era when it was just fucking Gordon Gecko and fucking Patrick Bateman running Wall Street, like that was OK. But like, oh, no, the algorithm has taken over what was what was once before a very rationally run system that benefited. The algorithm is capitalism. Yeah. It always is running it. Yeah. It's just a question of how much crisis it's in. And then, like, yeah, you know, things were better back when we had more money to give the poor people so they wouldn't get mad. Now or people without economic like power now we can't give them we don't want to give them our uh, uh the cat the profit maximizing principle won't allow us to give them anymore because there's less to be had and now they're all pissed that's it he says here uh free market this is david smick talking he says free market capitalism has gotten top down instead of bottom up 
Large corporations overwhelm small enterprise and manipulate patent laws, tax breaks, and stifle competitors. In the battle between David and Goliath, David doesn't have a chance. This is like Adam Smith meets the Twilight Zone. And then he gives you the fucking the cow <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, then he gives you the cow metaphor about, well, under capitalism, you have two cows, and then you can have more cows when you sell them. And then I, I just wrote here in my notes, fuck, this guy is stupid. And then he said, we need a capitalism for the little guy. It's just... What planet do these assholes live on? Who does he think he is? Money. They live yeah. on the money planet where they don't ever interact with anybody who isn't as dumb and fucking costed and as committed to deluding themselves about who they actually are as they are. Yeah, like, the only difference between this guy and like the evil capitalists is that the evil capitalists are not mystifying and bullshitting themselves about what they do. They get up and they fucking destroy the world and they make money at it. And they have figured out a reason that that's okay in their head. This oath is because honestly i think it's because he's from a little bit farther down the food chain like he's an investment advisor and shit like he's not a cat he's not a real like uh uh he's not an inner ring uh dracula so he gets to fucking spend his time with his thumb up his ass waiting to board a fucking uh first class flight to raleigh durham uh imagining himself to be some sort of fucking statesman and and uh and that he's going to fix all the problems that he is the beneficiary of and it's because he only talks to other idiots in his class, all the other assholes waiting for that same fucking flight. Yeah, no, Matt, you, you said earlier when we were talking about this movie that this guy has not had a conversation with anyone not as rich and stupid as he is for, like, probably 50 years. So, like, that's why yeah. he's able to express, he's able to just give voice to the most mouth-breathing canards imaginable, but he always says it with this knowing little smirk, like he's explaining it to you for the first time ever. Things, Did I just blow your yeah, fucking mind? Things like hatred, hatred leads to anger, you know? And it's just like, Yoda said that, <laughs> you fucking idiot. What are you, like... <laughs> He, he's just spitting these truths like it's just like I bet you've never seen a movie like talk to you as really as this is about fucking how uh, it's just uh, it's astonishing. It really is. Yeah, this is the opposite of grim truths. <laughs> no, these are not every these... every. Yeah, these are lighthearted truths because like, yeah, every grim truth they give is like, did you know people are more likely to find something in common with each other than bad? Uh, what's another good one? Um, some, I was going to say some other ghoul says here, uh, it's funny young people can see the climate problem 10 to 15 years out, but they don't care about the debt problem. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, bo they're both going to kill people. Yeah, they're both cataclysmic wipeout level events. Oh, can we talk about... Can we I want to talk about the Langone scene. I'm coming up on Langone, but first I want to talk about Niall Ferguson, who I find to be one of the most rancid human beings alive. But he shares some uh, absolutely some wonderful homespun observations about America from like an outsider's perspective. And he talks about how like, oh, well, you know, growing up in Glasgow, um, you know, Catholics and Protestants really hated each other. But, you know, and then I came to America and was shocked to find that, like, you know, there, you know America doesn't have these problems. And then he says... No one in Boston really hates the Yankees. And I was just thinking of him walking by that bar in Boston, the viral clip, you know, the, the barstool guys yelling at him. He's like, no one, yeah. no one, no one in Boston really hates anyone from New York. Uh, oh, then, then he interviews the, 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 ex -god, the ex godson of David Duke, like a reformed neo Nazi. Yeah. To like, yeah, yeah. And that guy's story was funny because he literally gets blue pilled by going to a liberal arts college. Like, that's it. That's all it took for him to fucking lose. Yeah, he's really shit. telling them. Every, he's telling every American uh, MAGA parent, like, do not do it. Don't is let it, your like, kid I go to school. Arthur Brooks says, or someone says, um, you know, 
talking about like how Facebook and the internet sort of like gamify uh, controversy and intense emotions. And he says, uh, someone says here, our brains light up when we see the other side lose or get hurt. And I was just, I heard that line and I was trying to imagine how much like a Christmas tree, my, what my brain would look like if every single person in this movie went to a softball game. <laughs> it would be, it would be like the first time you ever like take the lauded in a hospital. It would just be like a shot of that while your kid is being born. Uh, and then uh, Niall Ferguson says something like, we just got to snap out of it. Like, like Cher said, oh no, no, no lady says we got to snap out of it. Like Cher said, and then the movie plays the clip of Cher and Moonstruck going, snap out of it. Snap out of it. Just like some brilliant filmmaking here. Uh, now Ferguson also goes on to complain that she literally says, centrists don't get retweeted, and that's a problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they have this big thing about how if, you're, if your tweet has emotional words in it, you'll get retweeted more. But centrists don't. Like, if you use the words like destroy and hatred and blah, 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 you'll get more retweets, which, like, seems like the not a problem at all like who gives a shit but it's portrayed with the same weight as they portray like deindustrialization or like people not having health care uh, yeah like another big another big canard that they bring up in this movie is that um like because of facebook and google and the algorithm conservatives and liberals never hear from the other side which i think is complete horseshit because i think thanks to the internet uh, we hear entirely too much from the other side of political. That's divides. what drives us all crazy. That's what's making everyone you, you insane. Don't, get mad about like that's why nobody wants to hang out on fucking parlor unless they're like planning crimes. It's because they want to see the libs and get mad at the libs and know that the libs are mad at them. Yeah, the, the um during this good this Google part's insane. The Google Facebook part's insane because they're like, I don't like we don't we shouldn't break up these companies because China's also inventing tech and like we need to. Unlike uniting against immigrants, we need to unite against other countries outside of America. Yeah, that's that's good. But uh, we will just we'll tell them to not keep people in their own ideological bubbles and they'll make less money, but they'll still be the two biggest companies in the world. And it's like that is so that's like they'll break their rule of like government directing business what to do. So so like a, a lib will read David Brooks, but like nothing else. Not like, not like. Oh, maybe Cobra shouldn't cost like eight thousand dollars a month. Like, also, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe it shouldn't be six figures to give birth in a fucking hospital. Maybe, like, maybe none of this should cost so much. But like, you know, you should see all types of bad hill op eds. And it's like, yeah, they want. He he complains that uh, oh, these tech companies, they're making all this money off hate, and then they, if they, we make them stop, then they could still make money. I'm sorry. What what do you want him to do? Like start selling Scrimshaw on Etsy? Like that's the whole fucking profit model. That's literally the industry is 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 manipulating in, uh, like mental attention and, and 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 hate, whatever you want to call it, emotion is how you do that because people are trying to get emotional attachment from the internet because they don't have any in their actual lives. So it has to be hateful. It has to be all the things you don't want it to be. So no, you're telling them that they have to be destroyed and uh, accept that. But you are too up your own ass to realize it. You know, and like, and, and like they're using Facebook and Google as an example of like why capitalism has gone crazy. But like Smith's only problem with it is that like in this marketplace of ideas, his no less hateful ideas than any other one being shared or promoted by the algorithm are simply not gaining purchase. 
they simply there's not an audience there for them outside of like his the people in this movie being interviewed and like that's essentially his problem with Facebook and Google is that they're they're making billions more money than like these sort of traditional like capitalist firms are but they're doing it but they're, they're making money from bad things unlike for instance James Baker or Alan Greenspan and uh Let's see. There's another. There's another line here. Okay, let's talk about the Ken, Ken Langone section of this movie because, like, he, yeah, the, the Home Depot gnome is a pretty incredible figure in this movie. He's like <laughs> one of the one of the most wretch, one of the most just like uh, just vile billionaires imaginable, and he's held up as an example. Like contra, you know, Sergey Brin or Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. Like, like uh, Ken Langone is one of the good guys, and he says uh, one of the things he says here is all the money I give politicians should not be used by them to enhance their status. And then left unsaid is it should only be used to enhance my status, and that's why I'm giving them the money in the first fucking place. Yeah, Lingone's thing is completely insane, but he does something later in the movie that I find, it's like they talk about giving up the game. So I'm telling you, the NYU yeah, thing. Yeah, the NYU thing. Where This he, was incredible. Yeah, where, this was fucking yeah, unbelievable. So he, he goes to NYU Medical School, and he's like, I've been doing philanthropy for for 37 eons <laughs> like just talking about all the bullshit charities he does but he goes to nyu and he make there was a big speech and he's like nyu medical center will now be called lingone medical center and i'm everyone everyone in this class right now you'll have no student debt and they all cheer for him and he's like that was the greatest my life when they all gave me their life force and it's like (laughs) but that's it that's that's why private charity exists because it's like you could just as easily not make medical school not cost two hundred thousand dollars you could just do that you could just make it so that like oh the he langone is like oh they won't they won't be weighed down by this debt they won't have this awful onus on them and it's like no there's no reason for it to cost that much you just decided it should cost that much and now you get to be a good person because you just you cut off some of your like gold hide and toss it to them. Just the cushions in your couch, like a few million dollars, and now they're indebted to you forever. Now they love you. Yeah. The thing you actually well, want. You're a fucking psych it's like one of the most darkest things I've seen. It's like me and all my fucking ch- child child zoo owning friends made this among other things we did, made this thing cost made college education and postgraduate education always a six-figure endeavor. But, you know, maybe if you're lucky, uh, I'll I'll pay off, like, two years of classes if you can rename the entire building after me and pledge fealty to me in the afterlife. Shit, this shit is the public-facing side of the, of the uh, Epstein uh, ritual cannibalism, where yeah. they consume the flesh, and this is literally consuming the souls. Of of the people that they are dominating, he says, "Like two, you will love me for my destruction of you, for my domination of you." He says something pretty incredible, where he says here uh, of his his generous gift to like one, and again, you're talking about a hundred people. That, that it's a hundred students who like you know he he wrote off their debt, and he says of this, "You can never take this moment away from me." Looking at those hundred kids free from debt, and half of them are females. It was a redemption. <laughs> that was like. When he said you can never take this moment away from me, that's what ha- that's what the last line he says before you find the cathedral he's isolated in and kill him for his soul stone. 
That's like this is the moment keeping him alive in Dark Souls yeah. Four, well, he, the, he, the, the the kingdom of Langone. No, and he also says he also says uh, a couple other incredible things. He says, um, he goes, I sleep so well at night. I sleep so well, but I get up every morning terrified of being broke. That's how I live my life. And then at the very end of the movie, he says something which puts his gift to a medical school. It colors it in a certain light. He says at the end of this movie, I hope I live to be 200 years old. He's not hoping that. He's planning for that. He's planning (laughs) for that. He wants to live forever. That's That's what these billionaires want. That's, what that's they, all you could that's do. That's the final frontier for like their Croesus-like wealth. They are they're going to turn Ken Langone into a dragon, into an immortal scale dragon. Yep, and he's going to make all the virgins who he fucking bur- burns alive with flame love him first by yeah. getting, getting them like f- fucking Quiznos coupons. Yeah, this that was like that was so fucking dark. I had to like walk around after that. That yeah, was like grim. one of the most evil things I've ever seen depicted. Uh, speaking of another really chilling line in this movie, um, I mean, it jumps around a lot. It doesn't really spend a lot of time with one person. The only person it spends any considerable time with in a sustained way is David Schmuck. But uh, there's, a, there's another really telling line where Alan Greenspan says through what sounds like a mouthful of marbles, he says, if we ever had a problem, we would send James Baker to solve it. And I'm just thinking, like, <laughs> just That's a great way to put wow, it. Wow, wow, yeah. I mean, like, no, no person, yeah. no problem, as Stalin said. Yeah, in in, in the same way that Luca Brasi yeah. <laughs> sent him. Uh, Rahm Emanuel shows up in this movie for like two seconds, which is funny because he's like, you know, a, a literal accessory to murder, and he just gets out there and he's like, I believe in getting things done. And when we came to power, <laughs> yeah. he was like, the purists thought I was a slime whore. He says that. He says the purists in the party thought I was a slime whore. Yeah. See that? Why would you say those words about yourself in a documentary unless you know you are? Yeah. And you love it. Well, Rahm Emanuel's thing is like the the governmental, the policy version of what Lingone does. Because he's like, oh, they were saying I was bad because the ACA didn't do enough. But now they're fighting to keep it. And it's like. Yeah, because you like you gave them so little after them having nothing for so long. Of course, they're going to fight to keep like a moderate improvement. It doesn't mean it's fucking good. But just like the fact that people don't want it taken away, like vindicates Rahm Emanuel, just like it vindicates Lingone. Yeah. The guy whose average fucking employer salary at his fucking Home Depot is twelve dollars an hour. Which is this is the alternative to the awful uh, uh, global capitalism that like Steve Bannon and this fucking moron are trying to hold up. It's 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 local capital by people whose entire fucking just like Zuckerberg's uh, business model depends on hate clicks. Uh, Langone's depends on hyper exploiting people at the point of their uh, their labor. I'm just gonna, just going to go through quickly here. Uh, there's just some other just astonishing fucking uh, nuggets of idiocy in this movie. Uh, Arthur Brooks of AEI says Americans don't want to hate each other. It's a crummy product. And what I love best about democratic capitalism is that it means we won't put up with a crummy product for very long. It's been it's been 250 years of this shit. It's just the, the product stinks. It's well, never going away. How did we get away. the crummy products? How did it happen? Like this movie does not tell you. It does. It's trying to do this Adam Curtis thing of like we're going to tell you what's going on. And then it just it spends like 15 minutes talking about the rise of partisanship and polarization and all of these horrible things. And that says, but we used to do have good deals. And then what happened? 
No, no even attempt to explain it. It's just people got, people just uh, got bored and mean with each other, I guess. They just they forgot what matters. It's just pure childish bullshit. Uh, Smick says at one point, we need a new party from the center that represents 60 to 70 percent of this country. And when he says 60 to 70 percent of this country, he's not talking about the 60 or 70 percent of the country that wants Medicare for all like yesterday. He's talking about the 60 or 70 percent of the country that wants uh, entitlement reform and to do something about the damn budget. And then he uses, he uses this example of like if you, someone says that I think it's Arthur Brooks or someone says, uh, if you want to feel optimistic about America's future, look to the states. And then they use the example of how gay marriage like started in state legislatures before becoming a, you know, passed by the Supreme Court as an example of social progress. But like what they're really talking about is like right to work laws. If you look at like what American states are like actually up to, you're talking about like ALEC legislation and fucking the fact that like. Yeah, like like state legislatures are even more captured by fucking capitalism and big businesses yeah. than any anyone in, in like the House of Representatives in Congress. Well, the, yeah, this is like the final part of the movie is like electoral reform and they get really big into ranked choice voting. Like they think the problem with American politics is plurality voting. So we should do ranked choice voting. And it's like Susan Collins won by a fucking landslide. <laughs> like she destroyed Sarah Gideon. Yeah, but they like they probably would say that. Yeah, uh, they like Susan, Susan Collins. Collins yeah. is an example of working across the the bounds of partisanship. Susan Collins is like yeah, she's as far left as they go. Yeah, they're like, see, she won. Uh, yeah, all their all their uh, their their uh, policy recommendations are amazing. Where you got ranked choice voting, uh, you've got jungle primaries you've got a centrist third party yep based around the economic principle of layback and take it is supposed to get popular support outside of those fucking delta lounges that these guys hang out in yeah and of course that's absurd to everyone outside of it but they don't interact with those people the guy who's who's like really big into the centrist uh third party is stanley druckenmiller yeah he's a former money manager for George Soros. <laughs> like, <laughs> former like, currency manipulator yeah. for George Soros. Yeah, and it's like, it, this movie should be, like, this is a Saw movie. Yeah. This is meant to torture you. This is meant to drive you fucking insane. Like, if you have a QAnon mom or dad, and you're like, you really want to, like, I don't know, inherit some uh, humble figurines or something... <laughs> Uh, just show them this movie and they will go out in a mass shooting. <laughs> yeah. Well, this movie is propaganda, not in the way that this guy wants it to be, but in the way that me, you madness is in that it is yeah. a vulgar display of power. Like he is showing you, look, I am a rich guy. I'm actually supposed to know what's going on in the world. And yet I'm able to walk around with my head filled with fucking Cobb salad <laughs> And nothing, and I'm not only not punished for it. I get so up my own ass. I think I could make a fucking movie that's gonna solve all of our problems with fucking paste, with fucking baby food that's been like regurgitated by the same group of Pete Peterson fucking centrist frauds for thirty years. Uh, because I can, because I have the money to do it. I can make a do- professional documentary. With my name in the title as a change maker, and I, I assume that you know who I am, and you can't do anything about it, and that's the real propaganda. It's the propaganda of just hopelessness. It's like watching the fucking the imperial star cruiser fly over your head in slow motion. 
I mean, the movie ends yeah. with uh, they, they they try to end on a note of optimism, and David Smick um, chooses to highlight what he describes as his favorite thinker, which is wouldn't you know it, Warren Buffett. And he said he he poses a question to all the interviewees where he's like, uh, Warren Buffett recently said America's best days are ahead of us. Do you believe that? And then, of course, they all say Bundy says it's safe to drive. (laughs) They all say yes. And my favorite is like the the Black Lives Matter guy goes, uh, he goes, yeah, like he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm I'm betting on on Warren Buffett. I'm betting on Warren Buffett. And it's just like after they show a picture of him marching shoulder to shoulder with Andrew Cuomo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like. Uh, Warren Buffett's not worried. I'm not worried. Yeah, that's because these people all have blood bags and bunkers and they have escape hatches and they're going to be the last people to be touched by anything bad. Of course, they're not sweating. The Black Lives Matter guy, like he was awesome because he's like the only guy I've ever seen where it's like, God, I hope you know you're an op because if you're not, that's so fucking sad. Yeah, just a total door. They're just absolute dope. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I guess like the only silver lining to this movie was like watching that last scene where like all these people are like, you know, uh, our best days are ahead of us, but we need to get on the right track and we're not on the right track now. But once we get on the right track and get put start putting country ahead of party, uh, we will be in a new golden age. The only silver lining to watching this movie is knowing with absolute certainty that every one of these people is 100 percent wrong and this country is doomed. President G, please, no. you may fire when ready. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, firewood ready because this a movie like this proves that it, it really it proves how you can get a system like we have where the powers that be are undermining the long term stability of the system that they profit from and that they presumably want to dis, uh, hand off to their descendants unless they've all convinced themselves they're going to be in robot bodies on the moon forever uh, because they aren't at a, at a certain level they lose any even. Uh, connection to the world outside of themselves because they're as isolated as we are they they they're as lumpen as the rest of us and you can have a guy like this who should know better anybody who is as close to power and money as this guy is should be embarrassed to say this shit in public because he know he would know better because he's fucking seen it but he gets to live in a little fantasy bubble where he's actually uh fighting for the little guy and he can operate off of fundamentally delusional assumptions about how the world works while still being in charge and having his power and the power of other delusional idiots like him totally unchallengeable from below and so you're just gonna of course you're gonna steer into the fucking iceberg yeah no this movie um when america is ruled by a portuguese uh chinese conglomerate this movie will be hilarious to watch yeah i i honestly a movie like this yeah it's like we're fucked, but it does make you think that uh, if, when it comes to it, uh, the Chinese might have a chance. They, yeah. I think they could take us. And then, in you know, I'm going to give every like empire after this an accelerated timeline. You know, to to sound like one of the guys in this movie, things happen so fast nowadays. <laughs> yes, in a hundred years, a hundred a hundred years from now, when they make the Chinese version of this movie, where it's like we need we need guys like Hu Jintao who made deals. <laughs> <laughs> by the way at the beginning of this movie leon panetta says he goes we know from history what happens to empires when they lose track of the good values that they founded themselves on it's just like yeah what the are you talking the good values <laughs> empire slavery out. and conquest of the world like yeah. wait, what the fuck it's like yeah when rome started getting away from family values that's when things really went bad for them that yeah. was one of the most insane things in the movie <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. That, that was wild just watching Panetta, former defense secretary and CIA director, just saying, yeah, we're an empire. Yeah. Yeah. And then Niall and, Ferguson. But we're a good one, like all the ones are. Yes. Like all empires are. Yeah, that's good why Ni- at heart. That's why because Niall- you're in charge, so of course you're good. You get to decide what good is. Everyone's sad when the empire goes away. <laughs> it's history. a mark of power. Like, you get to decide what good and bad is. Yeah. So, of course, yeah. it's good. And uh, that's why Niall Ferguson shows up again, and he says here, uh, the key to our time is the complacency after the Cold War ended and the Iraq War failed. We want the girl, he says, we want the world to go away, but we have to get over that. And like left unsaid is like, we want the world to go away and we're retreating from it at a time when we should be ruling it. Like that's Niall Ferguson's view of everything. Like, our ability yeah. to rule is being undermined by our decadence. It's just a neoliberal, it's neo, neoconservatism. Like yeah. guys like him were in favor of the Iraq war because they thought it would give us national uh, purpose. But instead, because we could outsource the thing to uh to interns and drones uh it's just another thing to uh alienate everybody and 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 uh and flame uh uh disillusionment but it cannot provide any meaning because we're not doing it there is no collective actor anymore because we've been totally atomized into consumers uh just one of the last things david smick says is he says uh one reason one thing that makes me optimistic we're currently living through one of the great productivity booms in world history because of the Yay. cloud. And it's just like, oh boy, awesome. everyone's, no one's, we're more productive than ever. Everyone back to the mask of the red death. Uh, everyone keep dancing. That, that clock is never that big. And it's black like clock all that productivity. Gonna... It sure is, uh, it, it, it sure is being that productivity. The value of it is sure being shared by the people who produce it, aren't they? Oh, wait a minute. You're saying that they've been, uh, denied any of it for the past 40 years? That might have something to do with why they're so pissed. Well, Matt, the problem is that they don't have a quality of opportunity. That's what Arthur Brooks said. It's just the opportunities well, that's need to be the distributed thing is, yeah, more evenly. Like there, there's, two, there's two tracks of solutions he gives. One is the dumb political one we said, but the other is uh, give people bonds so they can uh, give people bonds at birth so that they can essentially just be all stockholders. Yeah, he says we and need to make they, everyone yeah. a capitalist. Yeah, and it's like that means you're all fucked. Oh, 25% at best chance of rising in life. That means 75% of stagnating, but that means falling realistically. Uh, but hey, that's better than nothing. And don't you want to fucking roll the dice? Literally saying you need to get them to believe in the propaganda. You got to get them to believe in the fantasy of capitalist uh, um, advancement again. And I'm sorry, it, the fucking till is empty. You guys took all of the fucking cookies. There's no way to do that anymore. The cookie treats are all gone. They've all been taken by fans of this movie. <laughs> Sorry, there's just, oh uh, yeah, like the, the yeah. He says he says he wants to give everyone a loan at birth. So it's like before you're even alive, you're in debt. Yes, you're literally indebted <laughs> in the womb. <laughs> And sorry, like, that's what, literally what sovereign citizens say about how like we're all enslaved by the debt of like the federal reserve he's like yeah that's good we should make that explicit and uh just one, one last quote here from me like i what i want to highlight is uh, larry summers says he goes like in his horrible like grouper fish face just like blurts out that uh the first rule of ditch when you're the first rule of hole digging is to stop digging and i'm like no larry keep digging that hole's for you <laughs> <laughs> So that does it. That's Stars and Strife. I would say comprehensively. Yeah, if you really comprehensively, if, the worst movie want, I've ever watched for Chapo. If you want to really like, if you feel like Absolutely. you need to to really like see the the serpent at the bottom of the well, uh, I would suggest just getting uh, fully ripped watching this and Meme You Madness back to back, and you will understand who we are ruled by. Like you will, you will know them. 
in a way that you can't just by observing the culture that their money produces. I would recommend watching doing the Miyu Madness boss fight first. It will get your level high enough to do this boss. Yeah. This is an ancient evil. You may go mad if you watch it without the proper leveling. <laughs> oh, man. Sanity points rapidly depleted. Zero. We have bye to bye. start new characters. We have to <laughs> bye start bye. new characters. Yeah, bye-bye. Start new sheets. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. I'm going to be a, a Cockney boot black. I'm going to, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be James Baker. <laughs> yes why not yeah you can't beat him if you can't beat him be him all right, all right. I'm, we're, we're I'm, rolling I'm, up our I'm, baker I'm, character I'm, sheets right now yeah. uh, i'm gonna be niall ferguson <laughs> all right gang uh till next time till next time out of the tree of life i just picked me a plum you came along and everything started into hum Still, it's a real good bet The best is yet to come Best is yet to come And babe, won't that be fine You think you've seen the sun But you ain't seen it shine Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met And wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come And babe, won't it be fine?